Report in. Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by. You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, fuzzball. Your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today, we're going to be discussing the latest Mandalorian-focused episode of Rebels, titled The Protector of Conquered Dawn. Now, before we get started, Tom, I believe you had an announcement for us. Yeah, this I would say kind of came out of left field because I didn't expect to hear this, but it was broken by Entertainment Weekly. Uh, I guess February 21st, ABC Television will broadcast a wonderful world of Disney special that's going to be hosted by Harrison Ford. What is very fascinating about this, it is going to supposedly feature some plans for the upcoming Star Wars attractions that are going to be going in at Disneyland and Walt Disney World. This is going to be, well, I think for Star Wars fans, a big um, ratings boost for ABC Network Television because oh, I'm yeah. sure that every Star Wars fan will be part of this. Yep. But this, I'm surprised this came out of left field for me. I didn't expect anything of this for any kind of announcement. What do you guys think? I mean, we had to be coming at some point, right? Uh, yeah, but I, but not, I wouldn't not, think it would be Yeah, soon. I was definitely not, not expecting it to be this soon, I guess. I figured mm-hmm. it was still a ways off. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward it, to it. I'm, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I want to see what they have. Start planning we, our trip down to Disneyland exactly. sometime soon, hopefully. We'll have to all be there opening weekend. I was at, I don't know if we talked about this last week. I was um, two weeks ago. I went to Disney World because uh, I happened to be in the area for a business trip, and uh, got my um, some Star Wars themed food. I think it was the uh, Naboo Pilot Burger. I think it was mm. or something like that. That's interesting. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was fun, but I definitely wish there was more uh, there was more Star Wars stuff to do. I only had uh, mm-hmm. like a little bit more in the afternoon. But uh, actually, when I went to go buy my get the, the ticket to get into Disney World, I said one ticket for Star Tours. And the guy looked at me like I was funny, like I was crazy. He's like, you do know you can do more than just Star Tours, right? <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know. That's all I, I care about. I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> That's the only reason I'm here. Nah. <laughs> I'm pretty well, sure there's, there's like Star, Star Wars. Wars there. Sorry? Yeah, there's the Star Wars launch bay. Yeah, yeah. No, all the stuff is really cool. Uh, I yeah. enjoyed all that. So I'm looking forward to seeing how we uh, uh, what, what we can look forward to doing in a few months. And immersing oh, I don't think it's going to be a Star Wars. Months. Yeah, it, it's going to be a it's going to be a while. I I have no idea when it's going to be I, done. I'd say a few but months. I'm pretty it sure could be a, a few dozen months, but you know. At some yeah. point in the future, we're going to be able to immerse ourselves in Star Wars. Yes. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens. Yes, yes, yes. But tonight, we are here to talk about Rebels Season 2, Episode 11, The Protector of Concord Dawn. It was written by our friend of the show, Henry Gilroy, and Kevin Hopps, and was directed by Brad Rao. His name sounds familiar. Yes, that's because one of the characters in the series in this episode is named after him. Uh, in this episode, looking to secure a new hyperspace route to Lothal, the rebels head to the Mandalorian-controlled Conquer Dawn to negotiate safe passage for their fleet. The warrior protectors of the system prove to be less than welcoming, however, and it is up to Kanan and Sabine to turn this group into friends or enemies. 
So okay, can I can I yeah, ask Tom? something here? You you start. I, I'm okay. About where do they fit from what we saw in the Clone Wars with the pacifists of the Mandalores, with the Death Watch of the Mandalorians, and now you have the Protectors. So I understand that the Protectors were part of Concord Dawn, but does that kind of mean there's almost three versions of Mandalorians? Well, so uh, that's an excellent question. I think the Mandalorians are this, are this big society, right? And not all Mandalorians are alike. And, Absolutely. Uh, so what, what we find out in this episode and, and through some of the um, episode guides and stuff is, is what happened. Because we were supposed to see a bunch of stuff go down at the end of the Clone Wars TV series. And unfortunately, we never got that far. So we didn't get to see the resolution to a lot of the curveballs the show threw us. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we find out is that these protectors are, um, they're like the Royal guard in a sense, right? They, they work directly for, um, uh, the, the ruler of Mandalore in this case, you know, if you're familiar with the clone wars would have been Satine Kree's, uh, they work directly for her. They're like her Royal guard and they actually maintain the balance between the houses, right? Mm-hmm. You've got these different warrior factions like House Kree's, House Vizsla, and uh, House Kree's is, are the pacifists. House Vizsla is Death Watch, mm-hmm. uh, and there may be more factions that we're not, you know, uh, more houses that we're not familiar with as well. And then each uh, each house has a number of clans in it, uh, which is where some of the you know the various last names come into play. So while uh, we learn that Sabine is, uh, her last name obviously is Ren, but she's part of, uh, that, that, that's her, that's her, uh, her clan, but her house right. is actually Vizsla, which is fascinating. Right. She's actually part that of that. That was pretty house. cool. Um, and so what happens is after, after the empire takes control, right? The, the, the protectors, the, this, this honor guard that served the rulers, they moved to the third moon of the Concord Dawn system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they did end up aligning with the Empire, even though you know they left Mandalore because of the Empire, uh, due to a mutually beneficial agreement. So they, they, they end up working with them. But you know, as is with most Mandalorians, their allegiance can and often does change depending on who's paying the most or, or the, what the situation is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really cool that we, we we get to see all this kind of stuff, and, and we find out that, you know, even the Empire doesn't really want to mess with the Mandalorians, right? They have a big military presence. They're still powerful in the Senate. And so they kind of have this soft occup- occupation of the planet where they're they're probably controlling the ruler of Mandalore, but they don't actually have forces on the ground. Mm-hmm. Probably smart. Yeah. Probably smart. And this so... is the first time we've seen Conquer Dawn in cinematic storytelling. You know, we've obviously heard a lot about it in uh oh, oh it's going to kill me now open season i believe it is right yep uh, uh that comic yeah i think it's just called seasons or i seasons. thought but maybe it's open season it might be three seasons and then um and, and then of course reiko hardeen from the clone wars uh if you guys mm-hmm. good old reiko hardeen he claims to be from conquered dawn uh, mm-hmm. in the show but that's this is the first time we've actually seen the planet or the system in this case mm-hmm. yeah so. So one last question on this. So are you basically saying that a little bit of how Karen Travis set up the Mandalorians kind of survived a bit with these well, this houses? Is actually, 
this predates Karen Travis to some degree. Okay. So, so she kind of took the idea from this predate. Yeah. From, so from this. Okay. Going way back. So William was talking about the comic open seasons, which is right. in itself a, uh, a, what I'm blanking on the word. When you, what do you do when you're like fixing up canon? Retcon. That's the word. Sorry. Yeah, the retcon. <laughs> Which, in and of itself, is a retcon of Boba Fett's previous past. Boba Fett is supposed to be a protector named Jastamriel from a planet called Conquered Dawn. Mm. Imagine that. And, uh, you know, stuff happens. His family's killed. I don't remember, to be honest. And then he goes off to the galaxy. Then we get episode two. We go, okay, that's not quite what happened. Jastamriel was a real protector on Mandalore, on uh, Conquered Dawn, who recruited Jango Fett into the protectors. They fought against the Death Watch and Vizsla, defeated Death Watch, and the Mandalorians are all killed, and Jango Fett does on, goes on and does his thing. All that's kind of wiped out alongside the Karen Travis stuff with the Clone Wars kind of revamping. Right. But bringing Conquered Dawn back and the Protectors back at the same time kind of opens up a way that maybe some of that stuff still works or makes sense. And I think that was always well, the intention of the show, right? They wanted to introduce mm-hmm. a new element of the Mandalorians so they're not just this warrior race. Um, but they 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 know that eventually they they want to get back to a you know a, a, sp- a place where they can merge these things back together again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it's basically this deviation that the show took, and it would take us back on course. And so uh, it's really cool to see how they're doing it here. Mm-hmm. Well, well, there was a little bit of a touch later in the episode where Rex did say that some of the clones did go train with these protectors. Mm-hmm. So in a in a way that does kind of bring in that little bit of what was hinted at in the uh, Republic Commando series, that there yes. were Mandalorians training the uh, yep. clones. So Stephen and I, we typically watch the show on our own, but since we live you know, relatively close to each other, we decided this time, we, or, and, and, and as, as often as we can, we'll try to get together and watch, watch it together because it's more fun that way. And when mm-hmm. that line was said, mm-hmm. we both looked at each other like, oh, there you go, Tom's going to be so excited. Yeah, you how... don't you don't know how excited I was. I mean, if you look at the show notes, I even threw that in there. It's oh, like, yeah. Yes. So so maybe so maybe Cal Scarada still survives. Uh-huh. Maybe. I mean, I'd... it certainly seems plausible at this point. Right. It you does. Know, it really does. Anything I, I, is... I know. Well, it, it it's funny. And, and I'm, I have to take this little bit of a tangent on this. I was explaining that one day to, to somebody at work. It's like because of the age I am within this whole podcast network, I feel like I am the Cal Scarada Mandalorian because everybody else <laughs> below, everybody else is younger than I am. So it kind of feels like I took the proper name as Cal Scarada within the universe that hopefully he can still survive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think uh, it seems possible. It's. I think it's one of those interesting I, I can, things. I can that... live with that. I, well, I know he's like your favorite character, Tom. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I can. Well, I can live with that. So I, if it's possible... You know, it's possible I can live with that. Yeah. It's just, it's still, it's still there. Yeah. No, I mean, Ahsoka yeah. says there are some truth and legends in the trailer. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm starting to suspect more and more that, you know, not as much of legends was thrown out as we might have been led to believe initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they will, they will change things as needed and they, they will not feel beholden to the stories that, of the past. But the right. things that I, I, you know, I suspect lots of stuff will still be around. Um, like, for example, there's a very interesting rumor about uh, Rogue One, which I don't think we'll discuss too much no. in depth here. But if 
if you were wondering who a, a certain character was at the end of Aftermath and uh, a fan favorite character, there might be some involvement in. I in thought this. that was the third season of Rebels, not oh, Rogue third One. season of Rebels, not Rogue One. Uh, yeah, it, it's no, the I thought, third I thought, season. Of Rebels. Oh, sorry, season of Rebels. I thought there was a yes. Rogue One r- rumor about him as well. Maybe, no, there's there's also th- there's we also should just that, so. And yeah, can, go ahead. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Skip, 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 forward, skip forward like thirty seconds if you're worried about potential spoilers. Even though again, That's, this is yeah. pure rumor. Yeah, and at this then point. again, this is total speculation. So if you want, starting at thirty seconds at this point, now. So the rumor, of course, is that our dear friend, Grand Admiral Thrawn. Woohoo! Oh, would, wouldn't that be awesome? Grand that Admiral Thrawn up in the next season of Rebels. Now, and if they were to do that, I would, I would be floored. But but here's I would that every minute. But here's the thing, right? I mean, he'd be the first major character they'd bring back. And I think we're approaching our thirty-second mark. But um, you know, we did have the name Ben being reused, and the fact that Han's son turns to the dark side, and right. like, there's a lot of similarities. That are absolutely currently from the expanded universe, way more than I ever thought, and I think that by by setting everyone's expectations so low in some ways, by making everyone think that it's all completely gone, then they're happy when things are back rather than being mm-hmm. upset when they're changed. Right, but but also it gives it gives the storytellers a lot more room to play to where if we just say, okay, this is now gone, they can. And if I do remember correct, when Pablo Hildago did his um, presentation a few years back about, you know, the Disney fans, welcome to the star Wars universe type thing, they can go in and pick and choose what they want. And, and they can tweak it. Like we were saying in a way to make it work within this universe, you will get your satisfaction if this character comes back. But, if it comes back, hopefully he'll be the same, but it's going to tweak to go along with the storyline. Yeah, it, you know, some situations and might change, obviously, but right. I think the, the the basics are still are still there no matter what. Yeah. And so I think anyway. we're going to be seeing more and more and more of these legends characters start to make a, a reappearance. That's my theory. In one form, in one form or yeah. another, I agree. I agree. And yeah. it gives them the absolute best way to do a story because they'll be able to fit it the way they want to and take what they need to put it in the story instead of the baggage that came with the character. I'm sorry if I use the wrong word, but the baggage that came with the character before, they can tweak it this way to make it work within the storyline. Right. I hope it works. I hope I hope it's true. Yeah. Anyway, back on Conquered yeah. Dawn. Actually, Absolutely. not in Conquer Dawn. We're actually somewhere in space. Uh, Captain yeah, Sato, with, with the Rebel Fleet, Sabine and Kanan and Hera, are trying to decide how they're going to get in and out of the Lothal system. Because they can't do it anymore, because, you know, the Empire is kind of watching them. Minor details. Yeah, just minor. Very minor. And to this point, they decide, hey, there's a system called Conquer Dawn. Maybe we should try and work out a deal with the protectors there and see if we can't go in and out of the system with their blessing. And they decide to see how that works. Well, so there's a, there's a very interesting discussion here, which I found somewhat surprising, um, where they, they actually discuss like, Hey, should we just go start a war with these 
these Mandalorians just attack them outright, or should we um, first try to you know have some diplomacy and work out a deal with them? Uh, and you Things think that, that are a terrible idea. That first one. <laughs> yeah, the first one. I, I, I yeah. why would you want to attack, especially with a small fleet that they have? Well, and the rebels why would are you all want to about try? making partnerships and that sort of thing. And right. They want to get everybody on their side. So I found that it was interesting that they would even debate that option. Well, I I think it was because they're trying to work on this idea that like ah you know it's I don't know I'm blanking on the word like you know they're Mandalorians they respect force we should therefore attack oh, meet them. force with force yeah something along those lines and I don't feel like I feel like that's what they were aiming for and I don't feel like it came across particularly well. Well, it didn't come across because I have a feeling that they didn't. It's like any kind of military situation. You want to go in with a force that's going to take care of what's there. And they didn't go in with enough because once Hera gets there, they pretty well were losing ships left and right to just, what, three ships? I, well, I think – I mean I don't even think any – anyone, nobody in Phoenix Squadron survived, I think. Right? I, I mean I'm sure there's – Oh, no, I agree. Sure there's people I, left I think... behind, but it was basically just it – was, it was Hera and Sabine that survived right. the, the battle. Um, and Sabine just barely. Uh, yeah, Hera just barely. I'm sorry, yeah. Hera. Sorry, Hera yeah, just I, barely. I right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So thank you. Thank you for the catch. Um, but it it was cool to see. I mean, a little strange, but cool to see Hera outside of the cockpit of her, uh, of the of the Ghost, and in an A wing, kind of flying herself. Because mm-hmm. you now we know that she's leading Phoenix Squadron, so I really enjoyed that. Yep. Um, and we get apparently this. Apparently, Hera's uh, ship has a, a little decal. Of Kanan striking a heroic pose above the phrase "moonbeam" on the port side of her ship, just below the cockpit. Mm, I missed that. Uh, missed that too. So more, uh, more Kanan Harris stuff right there. Okay, now I, I have a question for for Stephen. Okay, so, well, no, because I need to know if this is the case. Harris A wing got beaten up pretty, pretty. Ah, uh, I was ready for this question. Yes. <laughs> so, how was it able? I mean, okay, t- just to make it, just to summarize. So Hera and Sabine are basically in a dogfight to try and get to hyperspace coordinates. Hera basically says, look, Sabine, jump to hyperspace. I'm going to get an opening for you. She gets the opening. H- Sabine jumps to hyperspace. Sabine turns around, and here comes an A-wing completely beaten up out of hyperspace, and it's Hera's. How could an A-wing completely beaten up, Stephen? make it into and out of hyperspace. So, I was thinking the exact same thing when Willie and I were watching it. <laughs> we looked at okay. each other like had that we had the exact same discussion. <laughs> yeah. Where yeah. But so here's the way I I think about it. There is no so the things you need to jump to hyperspace, you need your hyperdrives engine, which are mm-hmm. separate from your normal engines. You also need the and I'm gonna, I'm suddenly blanking on the word. Um, you need the hyperdrive engine, and you, sorry, you need the Navi computer in order to plot the jump and know when you're supposed to leave hyperspace at the same time. Right. And my only yes is A-wing. Uh, words. Hera's A-wing was truly shot to hell. <laughs> However, yeah. the hyperdrive and Navi computer were both active enough. Her ship's being attacked. It takes damage. There's enough power, and the hyperdrive encases the ship in the bubble. She jumps to hyperspace, comes out at the predetermined point, survives, but is not otherwise particularly happy. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that was okay. that was very surprising to me. It was, it was kind of cool though. I mean, the way they, the way she came out of hyperspace almost at an angle, yeah, was was fascinating. Her ship, wow, was so destroyed. And the the way they designed it too, um, just visually, it, it was very it was stunning. Well, it was it was also cool to see the Mandalorian gauntlet fighters. Now, were those the same ones from the Clone Wars that we saw in the Clone Wars? But now they took it and put it in the design of Rebels. Yes. Yep. Okay. And I, I so love cool. the way they, the way their uh, wings spun around the the ship as they, as they, you know, as they had their uh, fight. I don't know about that piece. <sighs> well, you I, gotta con- from a physics standpoint, maybe not, but from a visual, uh, yeah, it's nothing. Visual to do standpoint, not a. It's it's just it felt silly to me. So it was useless. It was unnecessary, but it was cool looking. It was yeah, it was a little on the unnecessary side. Okay, it's but think, about it. think of the cool toy you could make of that. Well, <laughs> I mean, most, I would argue many ship designs in Star Wars aren't necessarily necessary. Oh, absolutely. But they're, Very true. they're cool looking. That's, that's yeah. good enough for me. <laughs> okay. One thing that I didn't mean to, to kind of gloss over was we never really talked about the actual protector, Finn Rao. You know, he... Ben. First off, Finn. Finn. That was Finn. Although, Sorry. Although Finn Rao, Finn Rao sounds is very is like his his first and last name are one letter off from Finn Ray. So you very know, true. I, I found that name really confusing because later on, we I mean, uh, not is it Sabine? Why no? Yes. Sorry. I, my yeah, brain is all, I'm thinking Sabine and I'm thinking of the character from Clone Wars. Um. Oh, Satine. Okay. I yeah, was you're thinking, thinking it's a teen. Okay, you. yeah. Okay. But Sabine, her name is Sabrine, Sabine Wren. And then we've got Fen Rao. And so I was getting Ren, I was getting the Wren stuck in there, and it was just... Like, for a, a moment, I thought they were related and from the same clan, but they're not. Not even close. <laughs> Opposite clans, even. Who? F- Fen, Fen and, and Sabine. Oh, and there's okay. Fen Rao, yes. and I in mentally I was getting Fen Rao oh, with Ren because right. you know and you Sabine just swap the letters. It. And, Got it's it. Okay, I'm dyslexic. Anyway. Yeah. No. That, <laughs> well, and then that you does... have Sabine Ren and Kylo Ren, and this is yeah, from a galaxy well. that from a Star Wars universe that I think at one point oh, what, what was the name? They rejected one one name because it sounded I think it was too similar to Anakin or something, or they they changed something around where because they didn't want people to get confused. By similarly named characters. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, that was Solo and Anakin. Was it Anakin Solo? Yeah, that the rumor for a long time was that Anakin Solo was killed off because that's what it was. Yes, they didn't yes. want to distract Anakin in the oh, post sequel yes. universe and Anakin in the prequel universe at the same time. Yes, that's yes, what it was. Yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. So I guess in that case, it's the exact same name, but still, I did. It's kind of funny. Anyway, so yeah, Hera's talking to Fen about why they should stand with, you know, the rebels. The Mando mm-hmm. should, and uh, didn't go very well. Oh no! In fact, it went pretty pretty bad. <laughs> well, we already discussed that. Here comes here comes Hera's fighter out of hyperspace, all beaten up, and just about everybody but two of uh, Phoenix Quadrant. Yeah. Didn't make it. Well, I but was, the Mandos made it out okay. I was expecting, I was expecting the Mandalores to not necessarily want to help the rebels, mm-hmm. but yep. to be allied with the Empire. That part was unexpected to me. Yeah, same for me. But 
But the thing is, are they really – is a Mandalorian ever really allied with anybody? Are they I mean, going to are they going to stay with that storyline? Oh, I, I mean, I mean, their their allegiance might change, but right, be, you know, be perfectly clear. Like he says, "Oh, you're with the rebellion. How unfortunate right. for you, because I act in the name of the Empire." Right, but yep. but okay, and th- this gets back to I I really hate bringing this up because, as you guys know, I really do enjoy the Republic Commando series. But even in the Republic Commando series, there were Mandalorians fighting Mandalorians. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very true. Yeah. So, yeah. This is going to be interesting how they're going to handle this. Are they going to keep that part of the quote-unquote Mandalorian society intact where you could have some that will be sympathetic to the Rebellion? And then here you have the Protectors actually working – well, technically, are they working for the Empire? I mean, I'm a certain – I think – I don't think the Mandalorians are completely united in their goals. Right. Especially based on what we've seen today. There's all sorts of – Absolutely. Yeah. Fascinating. No, and it's and even then, I think we see later on, uh, jumping ahead, like you know, five ten minutes in the episode, um, we see an imperial officer giving Fen some sort of something. That's a MacGuffin for his services. Right. Oh, that's true. Yes. Yeah. And I assume this is a regular occurrence for them. And then I also kind of wonder what it is that's being traded. And it. I, Tom, I think you're right. It's a MacGuffin. We don't ever hear from it later on, which right. I think is an issue that I'll discuss at the end of the episode. But, <laughs> well, I think it's like it's it. They're paying for protection, or they're paying for, um, you know, their their assistance, preventing the rebels from, you know, uh, from using the, the 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 routes through Conquered Dawn. I think that's what's going on there. But is it also a way just to buy off the Mandalorians to keep them on their side and not actually rebelling against the Empire or just yeah. staying neutral against the Empire or, uh, as Mandalorians really wouldn't care, fighting both sides at once if it came to it? Yeah, they, they don't want to fight the Mandalorians, right? I think at one point in the episode they even say, you know, the Empire does would not want to go toe-to-toe. They don't want to pick a fight with the with the Mandalorians if they don't have to. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, at least this faction, if they want to fight anybody, go hit up the pacifists on that other planet. I'm sorry. That still bothers me. <laughs> it's okay. We we feel your pain, Tom. Yeah. Okay. Um, quick quick side note before we, before we move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, apparently, Fen Rao is named after uh, Brad Rao, the director. I think we mentioned that, actually. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, the helmet markings uh, are actually based on some early Boba Fett concept art from Joe Johnston. Oh, that's cool. That's very cool. He he definitely looked familiar to me, and then that explains why. Um, So we get this big space battle. I thought it was their their choice of of music, or lack thereof, was very interesting, Mm -hmm. uh, where they, they actually didn't have any music in the background during the beginning of the fight until... I think after a few of the Phoenix Squadron pilots were destroyed, then someone dies and the, the music kicks in. Yeah, we noticed that it was it. Uh, this I is the first that. time we've seen a big space battle. I feel in Rebels, at least like a they're trying to do like you know a Top Gun fighter dogfight type of thing. And I feel bad for saying it, but I didn't feel like it worked all that well. Seemed a but little just, flat. It was just it was what do you missing? Think was it missing the the 
the speed and inertia of the of the ships or was it just not enough no, it was like, just what would you it was just like it wasn't interesting and i'm not sure what it was just like okay you know it, maybe it was a, a lack of a sense of space but you know dogfights are supposed to be kind of chaotic and then it just mm-hmm. felt kind of odd because mm-hmm. all the eps- all it was was like okay watch an a-wing turn oh watch spinny ship going around in circles and shooting stuff and then rinse wash and repeat <laughs> you know now now that you mention it i would agree i think because really it didn't bother me that there was no music i that that never caught my attention and you're right about it was almost i wouldn't say lackadaisical it did feel like it was a little bit of a slow dogfight. um I, Clone Wars probably had better dogfights, and that when you brought that up, I remember watching. I will go back to Battlestar Galactica, where you had the Vipers going against the Cylon Raiders, and how chaotic that was in a space battle. And then you look at Star yeah. Wars, even in um, the Force Awakens, the the atmospheric battle on um, um, what's her name's planet. Oh God, I'm so bad Jakku. at this. Yeah, not Jakku. Um, oh, the uh, uh, the the goggle lady. Oh, Takadana. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. On her planet, even that had a better space battle than this one. Well, and I think, now that I'm thinking about it, I think what it is is when you think about um, a sp- uh, space battle or any type of battle, there's you tell stories in the fight. So, yes. for example... There's always talking and communication. Think, think about, well, you think about the fight in uh, uh, on Jakku with the escape. You've right. got moments where it's like, oh, okay, now they're flying into the superstar store, and you've got these little mini vignettes of like, oh, there, there is some objective trying to be accomplished, flying yes. into a star destroyer, and here's how it's going to be accomplished or maybe not be accomplished, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was that's what was missing here is it was just all we had going in this entire mm-hmm. thing was so much frame of reference of what's going right. on. Yeah, it's just it's just and there's it's always just ship one being shot at by ship two. There right. was no interesting no chatter, other, no chatter, no other interesting yeah. pieces. Yeah, that makes, no. That, that now that you bring it up, I definitely agree. There was no chatter like that because anytime in a dogfight, there's always communication. There's like, I've got one on my tail. Watch your back. Exactly. Watch your back. That and type of stuff. They did a little yes. bit where I think it was say Sabine was trying to cover Hera, but mm-hmm. there was it didn't actually change the fight at all. No. Show me something different. Yep. That's true. But I was a little disappointed in the fight, but it eventually leads us to this interesting part where Hera is very very wounded so much mortally so that, wounded. that sabine is willing to kill then Rao because of it mm-hmm. which is very i, I don't want to say it, it's not out of character but it's definitely not something the rebels encourage doing yeah <clears throat> you know if they can if they can avoid killing they they typically do they'll they'll kill rebel they'll kill the empire right mm-hmm. uh, they'll kill stormtroopers but they they typically won't kill someone especially if they want to make him an ally so it creates this tension between kanan and and sabine later on but if yeah. you want to look at the the history from sabine if she is basically from the house of visla and she's been labeled as death watch then maybe that little bit is in there although later that doesn't come out even though it's a a trust me trust me trust me you know moment but it still plays very well to where she could have that killer instinct in her. So that's something I put in the yep. show notes. I think it would have been interesting to have more of that family dynamic. Like, mm-hmm. you know, not just, oh, hey, you hurt Hera, now I want to hurt you type of thing. But maybe, right. you know, 
maybe maybe make that the reason why Sabine and then Rao are going head to head because you know had Rao been Death Watch and Sabine been you know um, uh, you know part of the the good Mandalorians or something I could see mm-hmm. her saying like oh he's a bad Mandalorian we gotta take him out and right. having a little more justification for why she wants to kill him aside from like you shot my friend but she didn't die but i'm still mad at you you know yeah yeah and I'm, I'm getting because of that i'm gonna blow you out of the sky yeah i i would have liked to have seen more of a there's discussion throughout the episode about canyon and hair and not sorry canyon and sabine trusting each other and you know sabine's wants the plant explosive and canyon wants to complete Hera's mission and just talk to them mm. and I felt like that was there was a lot of promise and like kind of not necessarily saying who's right because I'm not sure there is a right answer, but I would have liked to have seen more of that discussion. Instead, Sabine's just kind of like, eh, you're close, like you're right enough. We'll go with that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, there could have been more meat there. I think. Yeah. Definitely, definitely. But, uh, but you know, they eventually decide. Okay, Kanan is going to infiltrate infiltrate the protectors' camp on Conquer Dawn and still try to negotiate with them, even though they said they were allied with the Empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everyone else's insistence, he takes someone with him, uh, that someone being Chopper, because he doesn't want to he doesn't want to uh, risk anyone else. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. Isn't Chopper kind of a, a full member of this crew who's, you know, not to be thrown away lightly? So one, yeah. yeah. Although I guess you could say he's easier to repair. You could back him up or something. But the bigger, the bigger you won't get the is, personality. You, you may not get the personality of Chopper true. if you were to back him up. But the, you know, he is kind of replaceable. Interesting thing I thought was that Kanan said, "Well, I already we already have one man down. I don't want to lose someone else." Well, that's mm-hmm. true when it comes to Spectre, right? Um, yeah. The for those of you who may not remember, Spectre is the the name of you know they're the code name for for the 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 big heroes of the show. Um, mm-hmm. There were a bunch of people in Phoenix Squadron that died too, and I feel like he oh, yeah. completely glossed over their deaths there. Well, I already lost one person. I mean, I actually lost like five or six or seven people, but you know, lost a squadron. You know, he didn't. Two people came back from the squadron. <laughs> yeah, I do feel like that's one of the weaknesses of Rebels. Is as nice as it is to have the bigger Rebel squadron, I don't think like they they handle having extra people quite as well. And it mm. definitely shows in moments like this. Yeah, I'd almost like to get to know the you know, the, the folks in, in Phoenix Squadron a bit more. I mean, even if we just have their name, they last for a couple episodes and then they die just so you feel the weight of it more. Yep. Than mm-hmm. just oh, there was someone in the squadron, someone faceless and it's I'm yeah. surprised they didn't do something like that because they did so well in season one with having, you know, a set number of Imperial officers yeah. mm-hmm. on Lethal. This yes. seems like a great place to do something like that. Even even the Clone Wars named all of the clones. Yes. And so, you know, you'd get excited when they came back again. You'd feel sad when they died. They might be around for a little while. Some clones didn't have names, but, you know, many did. And I feel like we don't really know who any of these, these pilots are. And yeah, they're like, you know, they'll call them like, you know, Phoenix 5 or, you know, whatever. But that call sign can easily be recycled, so I don't actually know, you know, is that the same person or, or did they, they die and were replaced by mm. someone else? So that's something I'd like to see the show do. 
And and if they were to do something like that, they could actually set up, you know, let's say um, X-Wing series type thing going on to where you have a recurring crew or a recur, you know, at least two recurring pirate uh, pilots yes, or three recurring pilots. <laughs> I, you know, nobody talks to me about a spinoff show, but there's a possibility you could write books about it. You yeah. never know. I but did no, like- I, I agree. I did like how Chopper seemed really annoyed, though, that, that Kanan picked him. Like, everyone else wanted to go, and when Kanan said he picked Chopper, Chopper was almost ticked off to the point where he actually slaps Ezra on his way out of the room mm-hmm. with his little when, arm. When is he ever never annoyed well, about doing know, I mean, anything? That, that's true. That's true. Yeah. It's also, Chopper. Also, I uh, I have a question for you steven okay what do you think the purpose of the droid socket on the top of the phantom is on an x-wing it makes sense i mean because there's like no space in the cockpit on the phantom there's like a whole interior i mean it still frees up room for the rest of the crew i suppose could it be an emergency you can fit more people in that being said, I really don't have a satisfying answer for you. So, <laughs> I was looking at today, going, "Why is he hanging out up there instead of in the cockpit or something?" But yeah, whatever. Hmm. Why not? That's a good question. Anyway, that's a good question. Um. Well, so, well, go ahead, Tom. I, I was, I was going to say, what's fascinating to see when it comes to uh, the Phantom. They do happen to have something like the Millennium Falcon where they can smuggle people because it appears that when Kanan and Chopper take off on their mission, uh, somebody decides to sneak aboard and go on the mission without permission. Okay. Well, so I didn't this, mean to do that. I, I kind of want to go back and look at what percentage of Rebels episodes oh. have someone sneaking aboard the ship when they were told <laughs> not to and or someone going off on a mission when they're explicitly told not to. Isn't it just about like every time? Most of them. Yeah, Most of them. I feel like yeah. it's one or the other. They even go off on a mission by themselves without permission, or they sneak aboard and accompany... Without permission. Yeah, someone without yeah. permission. Pretty much yep, 100% that, of the time. Yeah. That is the Rebels trope for this season, I feel. And yeah. it's kind of getting old. Is that horrible of me to say? It's. Is it... I think I'd say what I'd say even more than that is I kind of miss the episodes where we got the entire crew. Instead, yeah. now I feel like all we ever get is one or two people at a time, really. Which, I, I agree. I, I like it in the sense that it's it, we get to focus a bit more on particular characters and get a little more of their mm-hmm. backstory. But um, it is always frustrating when, uh, you know, w- w- I guess when the ex- excuse for people to come along is to sneak aboard. Give me a mission with just right. two characters and call it that. Like, that's awesome. Yep. Oh well. Oh well. Uh, well, I think I think the one thing that we're forgetting to mention is the person that sneaks aboard happens to be Sabine. Of course. Because you've got yeah, you've got Kanan's already said he's going to go back to Concord Dawn and try and you know deal with this diplomatically, which was very interesting to know that Kanan actually had a relationship with Fen Rao. Yep. And what's also fascinating about this is the same day this episode was released, the 
comic book was released that explained the relationship between Kane and, and Fenrir. Right, you see that. Yeah, it's exactly weird how that happens. Yeah, timing is everything, isn't it, people? But I, I thought it did make for a pretty good twist. I, I really liked the sequence that was uh, the two of them sitting at the desk and... I'm jumping even farther ahead, but that's okay. Yeah, it kind of has... Like, a I like the report feel to character it time. in some ways. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to, Tom, to your point, it was cool how we get... We get to see that tie-in with the third Battle of Magito. Um, and how Kanan tells him, you know, you gave me a chance to live. Now I'd like to return the favor. Mm-hmm. Although, it sounded kind of like a threat, to be perfectly honest. It was a little bit of both, I Because how is, how is Kanan returning the favor in this case? I don't think there's anything he's really doing that's saving Rao's life, unless he's saying, well, I'm going to help you for, by not working with the Empire anymore. It sounded more like, ah, I'll save your life if you join me, otherwise I'm going to kill you. So I'm returning the favor. Congratulations, uh-huh. you're welcome. No? Yeah, I, I, I would agree. It was... <laughs> I like their discussion. I I wish we'd gotten to see more of it. I felt like it was mm. missing a little bit. Like we could I would have loved to have seen more of the discussion kind of more of this discussion with Fen about, you know, yes, you're old, but that doesn't mean you can't still do what's right. Mm. Yeah. Uh but before that happens, uh, Kanan and Sabine sneak onto Conquer Dawn, and, and as they're, I, I, I'm not 100% sure how they snuck onto the planet undetected this time, but while they're landing, they have this, this little discussion about how you know Sabine really wants revenge, and uh, uh, and there's this nice little line where Sabine tells Kanan that this Jedi philosophy stuff doesn't work for everyone, and Kanan <laughs> responds with, "That's why we're at war." That was. Uh, uh, I mean, yes, too heavy handed, but, but I liked it. Maybe <laughs> this is not part of the discussion we should be having. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know if I call it heavy. It's kind of like that. Like, you're right, but I don't know. Maybe I'd phrase that differently or I don't know. There, it was one of those oddly stark lines. Yeah. It just kind of stands out to you. So um, while while Kanan and Fen are having their discussion, Sabine plants explosives on all the gauntlet fighters. But of course, she's discovered because she banged her head on a on her head on the ship. Oh mm-hmm. boy! Ta-da. And well, uh, you know something something had to happen for her to be discovered, and that gives her the opportunity to reveal her lineage. And we find out that, mm-hmm. as we discussed earlier, she is from House Vizsla clan. Ren, uh, which, uh, by the way, I think Andy got backwards in the uh, Rebels Recon episode, uh, but that's fine. Uh, hmm. And uh, so we get we get a little bit about about her backstory. And I I think in the in in Rebels Recon, uh, Dave Filoni actually mentions that her her mom is because her mom is, is, is part of House Vizsla, not her dad. Her mom mm, is yeah. present in the in the throne room when uh, Pre Vizsla is killed. Yep. So 
obviously that that begs the question is her mom Bo-Katan I uh, that would be my guess (laughs) it would be fun to find out if that is the case that also means he's related to Satine uh huh so very true Satine kind of similar names they're actually related Mm -hmm. it's her great aunt no, just be her aunt. Just be her aunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I liked about that scene where I'm going to go back just a little bit where Sabine was confronted by the Mandalorians where they sat there and they were like saying, where did you get that? Did you steal the armor? And she literally and it seems like proudly says, no, I forged this armor. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I created this armor. So it's like she's basically saying, look. Don't come after me saying that I stole this because, you know, this is what I did. And you know what? By the way, I'm from the house of this, you know, right, Visla. Right. I also like how they they call her a bounty hunter because they think she yes. stole the armor. And she her response yeah. is not no, but not lately. Because <laughs> yeah. as we know, she, she did become a bounty hunter for a while. But it was a nice mm. little – it was a nice little touch there. Uh, yeah. Acknowledging her past as a bounty hunter and a Mandalorian. But of Definitely. course, she, she uses the opportunity to invoke the Mandalorian code to seek justice through single combat, which has not been done since the Empire took over. And uh, and she uses that There's as always an excuse. always a code. She uses that yeah. as an excuse to go after Fen Rao and, and fight him one-on-one. Now, when she invoked that code, the last time it was done, do you think that was done between Darth Maul and Previsla, that was the last time that code was brought up, or do you think there was something after that point? Because I kind of took possible. it as that point, that point of time. Is is that what happened with Maul? I forget. I th- I thought it was. I thought it was I mean, it's, literally. It's pretty close. I, they yeah. they yeah. fought to the death. Yeah, but I was yeah. remember if they had if Vizsla had invoked the code. I thought he did. You might be right. I, I really thought that. he did. I forgot that. That's pretty cool. Yeah, a nice touch, definitely, for sure. Definitely. Um, and we get the nice line, you know, you you came here to befriend me. One of you came here to befriend me, the other to kill me from Rao. Because we still have Kanan and Sabine basically fighting over do we do we get him to join us or do we kill him? Uh, and, and Kanan doesn't, you know, is worried that Sabine is just gonna, you know, be kind of bloodthirsty and, and take him out. Mm-hmm. And it turns out she is not, and she just shoots. She just shoots Rao's blaster out of his hand um, with apparently lightning flat, lightning fast uh, reflexes and trigger finger there. Yep. Well, she's also younger. I mean, That's she's true. a kid. He's, he's probably, a, that does he's, probably help. Yeah, that, that, that helps. So, but it, it was also fascinating to see the dynamic between Sabine and Kanan, where Kanan, Kanan literally thought she was going to kill him. And the whole time, she's like, trust me, trust me. You know, Kanan, you have mm-hmm. to trust me on this. And he just couldn't do it. And it yeah. worked out. It's pretty tough. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty tough. Especially when you have a character who likes to blow things up. <laughs> yes. Sabine, uh, she likes to blow things up. She likes to kill things. I mean... Kanan even addresses that comment later on, right? So she, uh, she, may, I think, I think Sabine says something about, hey, you know, or no, Kanan says, 
you you got to blow up a bunch of ships because you know she she ignites the explosives she triggers the explosives as soon as uh as soon as she shoots the blaster out of rouse hand Kanan says hey you got to blow stuff up are you happy and she's like yeah i didn't you know i didn't kill him are you happy something to that effect <laughs> and uh but but she it's a very bloodthirsty episode for her yeah yeah, yeah. and, and she's like says, even though she doesn't kill anyone there's a lot of uh desire to <laughs> right yeah and, and Kanan even tells her after she had after she did not kill Rao, Kanan flat out tells her we're still not going to kill anybody, and she says you're making this hard on me. You know? Yeah, I love so, like, that. That was a fun line. I feel like though that she kind of went back and forth between wanting to kill people and not wanting to kill people a lot. She like mm-hmm. weave back and forth and back and forth. Um. So it was interesting. Uh, you know, because I mean, sometimes she was saying she wanted to kill people, and other times. She was flat out saying, you know, a, a direct callback to Obi Wan's line: "There are all are there are alternatives to fighting with. There are alternatives to killing." So she was kind of weaving back and forth in this episode. Yeah. So this was the other thing that didn't make sense to me. We have this big battle in the sky with Kanan trying desperately to hold on to Fen's fighter, which. I could take issue with the physics, but oh, I yeah. hope you, you accept that I don't need to actually spell this all out. Uh, but I was I was a little disappointed by the resolution of the episode. It just kind of ended, I feel. Kind of fell flat. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. Well, it happened very fairly quickly, too, right? Kanan jumps on Rao's ship. Rao tries to shake him off, and they... They fly around through the atmosphere for a while. Eventually, he, you know, destroys the ship, grabs him out of the cockpit, jumps in the Phantom, the waiting Phantom, and at that point, Rao kind of all of a sudden has a change of heart, and he orders his men to retreat. I, so I was really disappointed. I was really hoping that they were going to have, like, a flashback to Fen be like, okay, maybe we will fight the Empire, but, you know, I don't want my people getting hurt, so here's how we're going to do it, or something like that. And instead, we got this, where it's just Fen's like, well, okay, I'll call and tell the Empire, like, I'll call my people and tell them not to stop you. Mm. Like, what happens when the Empire comes back and like, oh, here, we've got the next supply for Fen. And they're like, oh, Fen's gone. And then the driver's like, oh, he's still gone. Oh, don't worry about him. Yeah, but when it's, it's still the Mando way. I mean, when the Mandalorians, if their leader... If I remember everything correctly about this, if their leader says this is what we're going to do within that clan, that's what they're going to do. Oh, I would didn't think if he dishonor himself by being <sighs> captured. That's true, but <sighs> no, that's actually true because I, I guess that's the way you have to look at it. Because unless he technically at a certain point of view comes over to their side then is he really captured or is he only just working for them? Well, so he, he definitely, I, I, when I watched again, I wanted to double check. Like, did he actually switch sides? No, he was, he was a captive. He still yes. had his hands. No, that, that part on. I understood. He yeah. flat out says he's a prisoner. He's like, well, I get, looks like I'm a prisoner. Right, you know, sorry. Cannon asks him how he feels. And he said, I feel like a captive. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Which is a little bit over the top, but okay, sure. Well, it's dramatic. Um, and, but he he eventually says, right now we're only friends because we have to be. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and Cannon exp- it says that the, the last thing Rao wants is Imperial ships all over his territory. The Empire doesn't want to make a habit of, does not make a habit of rescuing people. And so, you know, that's exactly what he'd get if they found out he was a prisoner of the rebels. They would be all over his territory and he would kind of lose his independence. But I don't feel like that was made. I don't know. I, I don't. I feel like it happened too quickly and it wasn't mm-hmm. obvious why Rao was suddenly surrendering instead of putting up a fight. It was very, very yeah. sudden. And it, it, to be honest, it bothered me. Yep. I I was generally pretty happy with how the episode was going. Um, you know, issues with the space battle side, it was entertaining. And then we got to this end and it just kind of like, oh, Rebels win because mm-hmm. they captured the leader. And they just kind of hand wave why that, that's okay. And then we're and Rao done. just says, yep, allow allow the Rebels safe passage through my through Conquer Dawn. Everybody's good. And he... For a minute, I thought he was going to join the rebels, but no, he decides. You know, he's he's still a captive. Uh, he's just, you know, he he's under their. And if he joined, I would have felt better about it because it would have been something. Instead, it was. I just got left wondering why why did it happen this way? Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So is there anything else for the episode that we wanted to touch on? or? I mean, that's that's pretty much it, you know. The episode ends with Sabine and Kana talking to Hera. She she woke up, and she's fine. Um, she tells Sabine that, you know, Sabine decides that, oh, yeah, you know, there are alternatives to fighting. And, 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 uh, and, and Hera tells her that she's starting to sound more like a Jedi than a Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. And the episode ends with her saying, well, I guess I've been raised right, and then fade to black. And I, I do feel like they just they ran out of time with the episode in many ways, and it just ended. And they didn't really give a good explanation for why Rao changed and his mind, and uh, and even the just the fade to black at the end, where after I guess I was I'm, I'm you know I guess I've just been raised right. Mm-hmm. Like she's she's with, been with them for a couple of years, but I don't know. I guess we always we always make the analogy that they're kind of a family. But I, at the same time, I don't really think about it that way necessarily. Uh, at least about Kanan and Hera raising Sabine. I mean, kind of makes sense, I suppose. Yeah. What do you, what, yeah. What do you think about it? But it does kind of make sense in in that respect. But so. I thought, I thought as a whole, the one thing about this episode, for me. Even with a little bit of its holes, it moved. I mean, it was almost like I blinked and it was over. I, I don't know if I've ever had an episode like that in which I just watched all the way beginning to end and just said, wait a minute, this episode's over. Maybe it's because of how it just ended and just like fade to black. And it was just like, OK, where is the actual re- you know resolution to this? It's just like, OK, great. Everything's fine. Hunky dory. Episode end. That's one thing that kind of caught me with this. It's like, oh, it's over? Right. So. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So yeah. I think, think I guess we can get into our ratings. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm good with it. Um, I, you know what? I'll go. Um, I enjoyed the episode. It did have its holes. It was Mandalorians. It gives me that holding out hope that, you know, Cal survived. 
please. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. Um, it did have its holes, but it was it was an episode that was like okay. God, now I'm sitting here thinking that we talked about it going, I was going to give this episode an eight. Now I'm like, okay, well, now we're talking about it going, uh, give it you know, I'm going to give you the <sighs> No, because the, there are the issues with is it. Right, of course. Oh, I know. I must do what I feel is right, of course. But, <laughs> but when you, when you look at it, you know, a couple, I know it's just a show. You know what? I'm going to give it a seven. I think I gave last week's episode a seven. I'm going to give this one a seven as well. I, I can't. I can't go higher with it, even though I'm like struggling with it going, Hey, I think it could be a greater episode, but discussing it sometimes open up, opens up some other things. And it seemed like to me getting into the episode, in some cases it moved very well, but when it got to the end, now that I think about it, how it just abrupt, abruptly ended the way it did. And it's like, Oh, it's over. It's like, yeah, there needs to be a little bit more explanation. And I agree, Stephen. It does feel like in some cases they did cut maybe some things out for time purposes that could have explained a few things. Um, so I, I'm giving this a seven. I am taking my seven Womp Rats and I'm going to say, well, you know, instead of that case being given to Fen Rao being the MacGuffin, inside happened to have been seven Womp Rats. Mm. Um for yeah. dinner, of course, right? Well, for well, I don't know. I think they're going to be pets, or no? Okay, I know what it is. I know what it is. Those seven womp rats were given to Fen Rao because what nobody knows is the way the gauntlets work with those spinning, uh, the, the the spinning fins. There's actually womp rats inside, oh, you, and exactly they're the ones. Do. Yeah, <laughs> there's womp rats inside yeah. that are making it spin, and these seven are actually replacements. For the seven that exhausted themselves on the fighter that we actually saw in the space battle, and they are just so pooped. Here's a brand new seven for your that one fighter. So there, they're the hamster. Yeah, I know. You know what? What is the Empire to do when they have so many Womp Rats running all over Tatooine? They have to do just something with them. Gotcha. So yeah, cool. yeah seven Womp Rats. Cool. Okay. Okay. Um, I feel like Steven, I've, I've been going last a couple times, so I think I'll. I'll... I'll go oh, next to you. Um, I I liked how we got more of, of Sabine's backstory. It was still very very small amount. Aside from her basically saying that she's you know a member of Clan Ren House Vizsla, we didn't get a whole lot else. Uh, and the fact that her you know her mom was is somehow part of House Vizsla. Um, Still didn't get a whole lot else about Sabine's backstory, but we got a lot of explanation about where the Mandalorians are at at this point in the in the timeline. Uh, it was a fun episode overall. I think Fen Rao is a is a, is a cool character. Um, I wish it hadn't ended so abruptly, but you know, it, more of a small complaint. And I, I don't think we touched on this, but I really liked the design of Conquered Dawn. It was a really cool, yeah. uh, had like a purpley hue with, uh, uh, I think the planet itself was had a major chunks missing. Almost like the Death Star 2 uh, with all sorts of asteroids around it. Very cool looking. So um, I think I'm going to give this, uh, this episode 7.5, just a little bit higher than Tom, 7.5 out of 10. Okay. And... Uh, for my Womp Rats, um, you know, the, uh, oh, I just, just had it. 
They were. You can do it. Oh. Use I, the I force. Break. Use the force. Uh, my Womp Rats are. Uh, they're gonna surround the, uh, the 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 two fighters on it in, in one-on-one combat to make sure that nobody escapes. My set my seven and a half Womp Rats. So when there's that duel to the death, they ensure that nobody leaves. Ooh, spooky. Kind of the enforcers. <coughs> yeah, that works. Yeah, that pretty Excuse me. Uh, moving on, Stephen. Well, that was, a, a, that was a good attempt. I I, I think I, I have a better idea. And I can no I, longer. I can't remember it anymore. It's okay. So I think I'm gonna have to give the episode a six and a half. Um, I thought it was an it was an average episode until the end, at which point I was kind of felt left down. But I was entertained for the majority of it. And if you're gonna let me down, I pre- guess I prefer to be let down at the end. So, I mean, I I enjoyed like 25 minutes instead of being let down in the beginning, where then I'm let down and then I'm sad for the rest of the episode. If that makes mm-hmm. any sense. Sure. I, w- I just I wish they'd done a little bit more with the ending, and I felt like there were some minor changes that could have made a really positive impact on it. Yeah. Now, my six and a half Womp Rats. We were wondering why Kanan wasn't concerned about the other members of uh, Phoenix Squadron. It's because they're Womp Rats. You can find dozens of them anywhere. <laughs> okay. I like it. I like it. They were apparently... They're in, like, human-like suits, I guess, since we saw it, some of the Womp Rats. Yeah. They're, okay. so, do you remember Men in Black? Where the <laughs> I, was, I was going to make that exact eyes. analogy. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Okay. Cool. <sighs> so next week? Yeah, on, next week. And Rebels? Um, I'll, I'll take this one. Um, coming up on the Iron Cannon podcast... Uh, next week's episode, we'll be reviewing Season 2, Episode 12, Legends of Lasat. Now, this I found very fascinating because I always thought that uh, Zeb was the last one, but the synopsis for this so episode... Did Zeb. Yeah, so did Zeb. But the, the synopsis for this episode is, the crew of the Ghost is surprised when the two refugees they agree to help escape the Empire are revealed to be surviving Lasat. Zeb must come to terms with his past to help his people reach their new home. So apparently, as we just kind of speculated, Zeb is not the last Lasat. I'm excited so about this. So let me, let me make a guess. So they're going on a mission. Uh, they're going to find the Lasat. <laughs> Zeb is going to go, like, I'll do this. And then Ezra sneaks on board the Phantom and Had joins him on the mission. Had and, a feeling. Uh, then Chopper makes what? some wacky Shocker. comment as an alien flies by him and he waves his arm. Uh, uh, we will see what happens. Also, will Zeb get a uh, a girlfriend? Who knows? <laughs> no, no. Wait a minute. <laughs> if if it's only those two, also just yeah, from that trailer, one of them them was fairly old. Oh yeah, that's true. Or that's just how I don't know. Lasat females look. Yeah. Yeah, it's possible. I don't know. We'll find out. Oh, it's interesting. Wednesday, just a couple days from now. Mm-hmm. Our first episode of February, although that's not anything special. <laughs> True. <laughs> so, so how many episodes do we have left of the season? Uh, Some. I think like eight, yeah. half, eight or so episodes left. They haven't that announced the sense. exact count, but I suspect it's somewhere around 10 to 12 episodes. Okay. Yeah. I expect well, this was episode 11. 
depending on how you count the movie and figure we're going to end somewhere around 20 would be my guess. Yeah, exactly. 2022. So cool. Well, thanks for listening as always. And we'll be back next week with another episode. This will be a, you'll probably be getting this episode earlier than you normally do a few days earlier. because we're, we're going to record a ahead of our normal time. So stay tuned and we'll be back. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away, including Rebels, the sequel trilogy, spinoff films, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help the show grow within the Star Wars fan community. Visit our website, ioncannoncast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also get in contact with us by emailing contact at ioncannoncast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, the Walt Disney Company, or any of their respective trademark or copyright holders. Any and all opinions are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production of fans, by fans, and is copyright 2015.